Is Wayne Matthews the most important defensive transfer for Michigan State football so far? Also, what other holes are there that we need to see filled in the transfer portal? And then, of course, we'll talk about basketball here at the end, all with our near-dear friend Stephen Brooks. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you will get $150 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners. It is probably the premier friend of the program. I don't think anyone has made more appearances than this guy over here. It's Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports. We're going to talk football to start, basketball to end. But before getting to any of that, Stephen. How are we doing, man? We hanging out okay over there? Doing all right, man. Uh, I apologize to anybody who's watching this with this sort of like ethereal light behind me. Uh, got some complications with the setup, but maybe maybe it'll add to the vibe. Maybe maybe folks need that. Maybe they need some light in their yeah. life right now. And and uh, if they're listening to this show, so uh, if you're watching, then you're, then you're really getting a dose of it. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But I'm doing all right, man. Good to be back. Father Stephen here to usher us into Michigan State Church right now. His, it's, that's right. It does look like I'm coming down from the clouds a little bit right here. So uh, maybe check it out if you're not watching. Uh, if you're just on audio, go check it out. But uh, only for a little bit, though. I'll see if I could uh, like edit an angelic choir in the background here and in, in post. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how good my editing skills are. They're not usually that good, but we'll see. We'll see what we can do here. Um, Stephen. Earlier this week, I saw a tweet because, you know, I'm just on Twitter way too much. And this was very direct for Michigan State. Now, this is from PFF, of course, Pro Football Focus. They break down all the players, give them grades. If you know anything about football, you know PFF. They have a list of the highest graded transfer linebackers in the nation. Number one is by way of Florida Atlantic, the new Colorado linebacker, Jalen Wester. Okay, he grades out at 84.5. Number three, Jalen Walker, by way of James Madison over at Indiana. He's an 80.8, and in between those two, clocking at the second best transfer linebacker in the nation, according to PFF, is Wayne Matthews the third. Now we've talked a lot about the transfers on the offensive side of the ball here, Stephen. But let's give the defense some love here. Point blank, is Wayne Matthews the most important transfer so far for Michigan State this offseason? I would say yes. Uh, so far, being the the, the key phrase there, right? Because I do still think uh, there will be some activity in the secondary, and you know, I mean, they had Tony Grimes committed, and, and things fell through there. I, I think he probably would have walked in and. Absolutely would have competed for a starting job. Probably would have won one in, in my estimation. Um, so somebody that can at least be a two deep player at corner, I think, could be very important. If not a walk-in starter, uh, could be very very important. But as of the guys right now, I do think so because how many times over these last handful of years? Now it's going to be a different scheme, but defensively. But how many times have tight ends come running free across the middle, 15, 20 yards downfield, <laughs> you know, slot receivers, what just big plays in those intermediate zones right over a linebacker's head. Uh, they just haven't had many linebackers built to play in coverage and in space the way uh, Matthews is. Um, he is sort of that new age. I mean, like 15, 20 years ago, he would have been a safety probably, right? Like yeah, that, right. That's what it is. So 
Um, one of those new age linebackers that can play in space, can match up against different type of personnel, and hopefully, yeah, be a be a plus player for you in coverage, which they haven't had at that in the middle of their defense in a long, long time. You know, most of the guys that that they had these last couple of years, which are still some returning guys and everything, but yeah, we're just more built to play downhill. I mean, Cal Halliday is a downhill, you know, between the tackles type of box player. Uh, right. as you've seen, you know, he's not a guy that you necessarily want chasing, you know, Colston Loveland 30 yards downfield or whatever. Um, so, and, and not to just single Cal, I just, I think the whole room was sort of built that way to where they ended up totally box thick downhill linebacker type of guys. Wayne Matthews is more of that dude that can, that can uh, play out in space, like I said, and give you something in coverage. So right now I do think it's him. And it was more so of a relief, too, because it feels like every team in college goes in the offseason saying, hey, we need a coverage linebacker. You know, like as if that's just something that just grows on trees at, at their nearby grove. Like, no, like that. It's a little difficult to find that specific player. But not only did Jonathan Smith find one, found a, by all accounts, according to PFF, a really good one specifically in the coverage category. Now, certainly he's not the only linebacker added to this class. We also have Jordan Turner by way of Wisconsin joining the mix now. We've talked about him in the past, but he kind of profiles more of like that box linebacker, downhill run-stopping linebacker, I guess we could say, right? Like that is why maybe we give Wayne Matthews the nod over Jordan Turner at this point is because kind of like I already have that mold of a Jordan Turner in this room already, but Wayne Matthews adds that coverage aspect. Am I reading that right in your opinion? thousand percent. Yeah, everything. Uh, Jordan Turner is, is exactly like the, a lot of the linebackers that they've had here. And I don't mean that as a yeah. slight or anything, um, but, he, you know, he's 245, 250, like, Right. Throwback Big Ten type of linebacker, and so whereas he's a, he, he's play, you know he's a he's a seasoned guy at the Big Ten level, so you would think like wait you know shouldn't he get some love? It's just about the different different skills. You know they do have guys I think similar in skill set already on the team from Jordan Turner. I think Wayne Matthews is more different. Yeah, uh, is all I'm saying. You know he is coming from a lower level. He'll have to he'll have to adjust and everything to to power five power four football. I guess that's going to be weird to I know if right? that's our term now. If I, again if that's the term that's going to be weird to to adjust to, but. So, yeah, and Jordan Turner is a good productive player. Uh, you know, I thought it was a good pickup for depth as well, and it's been a, a thin room uh, the last couple of years. You know, there's been injuries. Snow, of course, was a was a unknown situation that didn't really work out last year, and Jacoby right. Women got hurt last year. The year before, you had the suspensions and, and other guys that just weren't ready yet. So it's been a thinner room uh, of late. So I think just uh, – I absolutely think Turner will be a two-deep guy. Maybe he's a starter. Um, yeah, I think Jordan Hall is probably going to be penciled into one of those spots. So yeah. looking at competition elsewhere. But again, because of the different skill sets, like if a guy like Matthews isn't starting, I think he'll play a lot. He'll probably factor in on third downs. Um, and then, uh, you know, Quindarius Dunnigan, I don't know if you want to get into him yet or whatever. Totally. But yeah. as, a, as a guy that could potentially, I don't know this, but I'm wondering if he could play uh, that sort of hybrid D-end role in Joe Rossi's defense that he used in Minnesota a lot where they have a guy – Standing up on the line, you know, their, their other defensive end is a stand-up guy, uh, could rush the pass or could do, could do different things from that position. I'm wondering if Dunnigan from Middle Tennessee, another transfer coming over, uh, could do a little bit of that. Because, I mean, he's he's got uh, the size and sort of profile that I think maybe they would look for there. He's not a, you know, he's not a 280-pound sort of like anchor edge setting type of guy. So right. he'd be a little bit more versatile and be a little bit more of your spark plug guy. Uh, making you know causing some havoc off the edge over there because I do think that's a position that uh, that they probably need somebody so maybe it's him or maybe it's somebody else maybe somebody else emerges I mean maybe a guy like By Job is ready to step in and I think he could probably be a perfect fit for that role but you got to be you got to be able to play all three downs as well 
that funnels right into the next topic I want to talk about is like, where else can Michigan State go when the next transfer window opens? And I know we got a few weeks until it, but no better time to talk about it than right now. Secondary, I don't even feel like it's worth discussing. Like you could always use depth there as things stand right now, especially after what happened with Tony Grimes. Being here for about six minutes and then didn't work out. Now he's at UNLV. You need secondary. I do wonder, though, if pass rush does have that same level of importance to in the transfer portal because we just talked about Quindarius Dunnigan. I also wonder if Ken Talley kind of profiles for that role, too, of like a stand-up edge guy. So is it enough, though, just counting on Quindarius Dunnigan, the youth that you could hold on, whether it's Jalen Thompson, whether it's by Job, Andrew DePape, even Ken Talley, or – would it give another level of comfort to this team? And should they go for like another pass rusher? Because I, I don't know if I could really just go to bed at night thinking like, ah, pass rush has already improved from last year, just blindly. I feel like it's a little bit of a question mark still. No, it definitely is. It definitely is. The thing is like, you know, it's like, I, I mean, by saying I want to go into the portal and get a good pass rusher, that's like me saying, I'm going to go to 7-Eleven and go buy a winning lottery ticket. You know, I need to go get my couple yep. bucks. Like, of yeah. course, of course, everybody wants that. Everybody would do that if they right. could, so especially in the second dip of the portal, too. You know, in the spring, it's just not as deep yeah. and plentiful, and therefore the competition, right. you know, market forces, uh, get your economics charts out. Right. Uh, the x-axis tells me that the competition is going to be way thicker in the spring if there is a decent guy out there, so you've got yeah. that to contend with. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, if you could, uh, definitely. You know, if there's somebody like – you know, it's, I mean, it's it's wild to say, but like Jacoby Winman, you know, like if if he had a clone out there that you could go get, like I really think, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what went into his thought process and everything. I'm li- a little surprised he didn't get a combine invite. I thought he'd probably be on that fringe of maybe getting one. Um, but I just I say all that to say I'm, I'm really uh, disappointed. I guess that we'll never see him in the Joe Rossi defense because I thought actually he'd be a great fit. <sighs> for what they did in Minnesota and, and just the versatility that he brought to play two spots, right. uh, move them around different things. Not that they didn't do that with him before, of course, but how could it look, you know, uh, another year older? Cause be, and that's the other thing is like, he was here a long time, but I don't know if people really realize like he only played like thir- uh, 11 games. I think it was, I know. Season, which I, know. I don't think correlates with like people think of him as sort of like this long time Spartan. I, I think maybe I'm wrong there, but it feels like he's been around long but he really didn't play that many games in actuality. So um, anyway, somebody like that, you know, if you get a linebacker who, who's got some uh, twitchiness to him and some versatility, you know, maybe can't play three downs at linebacker, but he's a really good pass rush guy like like Brandon Boyer Randall used to be for them. He's still hey, wow. around nice. the NFL. Um, I believe yeah. Brandon Wright is back, uh, I think, coming off the I think you're right. Coming yep. back. Yep. Uh, if I'm wrong, then uh, you have to cut this part out, I guess. But I, sure. I think he's back. maybe he's a guy that can do that to where it's not a full-time, you know, it's not 60 snaps of, of a true sort of uh, DN position to where all the, all the things go into that. It's a little more of a hybrid deal to where you can just sort of uh, take the muzzle off and let him try to bend the edge a couple of yeah. times. So uh, yeah, they, you know, it's just, you'd want somebody probably right away. Cause I do think by Job and some other guys maybe project there uh, with some time. I just don't know how much time they're going to need to where could you get somebody in here right now that could play that role? Absolutely. If you could, uh, very, very difficult, of course, though. So um, we'll, we'll see what they can do. But I, I would expect them to at least uh, be open to it and keep their eyes open and, and adding somebody at that type of position. And we're going to stay with college football here. We're going to talk more about national news, going to the five plus seven seat 
CFP model here in a hot second. But first, Steven, need to kick you to the bench. I'm sorry, my man. Need to talk people's ears off about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're in a speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you are looking for. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every single time where it's your hard-earned money back. Because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So, what are you waiting for out there? Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusive apply, eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Now let's drag him back, friend of the program, Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports here because this isn't just East Lansing news. This is news from coast to coast. Earlier this week, the CFP, the College Football Playoff Committee, instead of six plus six, six conference champions, six at-large bids, they made the move that everyone expected them to make now that the Pac-12 is dissolved of five conference champions plus seven at-large teams. We could all presume that four of those were, are going to be Power five, power four. God, that's going to take me a while to get used to over here, Stephen. Yeah. Power yeah. four teams plus the next best ranked group of five conference champion. Point blank, Stephen. I like this helps Michigan State, right? And I'm not saying this helps them for this upcoming year. I mean, it, it might be a little too much to ask for for Jonathan Smith, but I mean, obviously, this this helps Michigan State maybe somewhere down the line where they do go ten and two, dare I say, or nine and three. And I got some stats to back that up, but. We'll let, we'll, we'll let you talk first before I keep rambling. Well, uh, uh, I'm maybe not the best guy to have this discussion with because I've never had a problem with four, you know, and, and okay. a lot of people have a problem with me having that opinion. So I understand. Um, but I just, I, I, I anyway, I, I won't even try to go down that. But um, for Michigan State's purposes, absolutely. In, in a program like Michigan State should, you know, should be competing for this thing every like let's say like a cohort you know a four-year group you know you come in as a freshman you leave as you should be you should have contended if not you, you definitely should make that field probably at least once um yep. within that four-year span now a program like michigan state wisconsin penn state you know uh iowa all these type of sort of peer programs you know not in the top uh top of the pyramid in the big 10 obviously you know they, they should be competing for that, not every year, but but most years, I should say, competing for it and getting in there at least, again, once out of four, every four. Um, so we'll see how that goes for a little bit and, and how much satisfaction people are able to get out of that. Because, I mean, I've, I guess the, 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 we will sort of cross wires here a little bit, but, like, I don't see anybody – nobody seated below, like, six to me is ever going to win a national okay. championship, ever. I think people have these delusions that it's going to be football, a mini football March Madness. It's just, it's fundamentally so different from basketball, and that you you will not have these upset run. You might have a upset, but then you got to go play another dog the next week, and then another one after that. Yeah, you're not going to get St. Mary's into Pepperdine into you know whatever Longwood. Like you just you're not going to get this magical run uh, or a string of upsettable teams. You know, the only team I think that's going to be able to go on a run would be a, a very unique scenario like, and Michigan State fans will know this, but the 2010 Alabama team that had three huh. losses that just abused Michigan State to the, you know, 
to an almost uh, unsettling uh, state. Like that was a really good Alabama team that, that had some injuries and tripped up, yeah. uh, lost to Cam Newton. You know, like that team was still dominant and they were pissed off because they lost that Iron Bowl. But they had pros upon pros. I yeah. just won a Natty the year before. Um, like that was a very, very good team that just so happened to stumble to three losses and they were ready to take it out on somebody. If something like that snuck in as like the 11 seed and got healthy at the end, sure. But how many times are we going to see that? You know, I just – so I say all that to say how how long will that – you know, because most times – I mean, chalk is going to win out, I think, in, in a lot of this. I don't see a lot of 12, 11, 10s beating – you know, we're talking about like three lost Power 5 teams that were second, third, fourth maybe in their league, Power 4 or whatever – versus like a one or two loss team that was maybe second you know like that that's that's a gap right there, there there's a there's a there's a difference between those teams uh, historically you know when you look at it so uh i just wonder how long um like i said that'll sort of be satisfactory just getting in and then maybe sort of you know being one and done or two and done versus uh you know how long will, will the will the just the 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 sport you know the fan the collective fan base of college football sort of be patient um, if it's still one, two, three, you know, uh, one, two, three, and four at the end, or one, two, four, and five, or whatever, you know, if there's not a lot of upsets and getting in doesn't end up meaning much if those lower seats aren't advancing with any regularity mm-hmm. or advancing to meaningful places. I just kind of wonder how much, uh, how satisfying that'll be. But at least initially, as we look at it, that's what I think it's got to be for Michigan State. Get in once every four years, compete you know, uh, and be, be on the fringe, you know, probably two at least out of those four years. Yeah, I think this year would have been a little interesting with Georgia. I mean, not Florida State, certainly. But, uh, but again, mm-hmm. that's just like one year. It's, it's not going to be like that every single year where, hey, maybe that five or six seed is a live dog here. Because I think you're right. I, I think for the most part, it would be shocking to see the next few years of champions come from outside those top four teams. But I, I just have the, the dumb meatball brain take over here. It just means more football. And I think it's going to be just so cool to see like Alabama go to Happy Valley to I don't know like it's just oh, I, that I know. Part's great. yeah the I don't know field games are absolutely great that's going to be awesome I mean look check in with me next year and when we have like four great games all in a day and they're all in home fields and we've right. never done this before that's going to be yeah. electric I'm going to love it probably but like I just I also worry about the regular season like that's I, I think we might that might end up as a situation where folks don't realize what we had until we lose it. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, we had playoff games last year. I actually was looking at, I was uh, preparing something else, but like Oregon, Washington, both games, playoff games. Michigan, Ohio mm-hmm. State was a playoff game. Bama, Georgia, SEC Championship, that was a playoff game. Uh, Texas and uh, Oklahoma State in the Big 12, that was a playoff game. So, you know, Michigan and Iowa, even though it was lopsided, like technically that was a playoff game. Yeah, so sure. we have had an expanded playoff. We just don't call it that. And I just, you know, uh, the or even the Oregon-Washington game, where they played it in the regular season, like how thrilling that was, came down to the yeah. last second, and just how important that was. That won't mean anything now. They were both undefeated, I want to say, or maybe one was one loss, but whatever. That had massive stakes uh, in, yeah. uh, for that game in October. And I, I worry about losing that and one of many being one of many things that sort of erodes the passion and and, and uh, interest in the sport as a whole. But uh that's that's just uh, I'll get off my soapbox now, but no. I, don't, I don't really think all this is necessary. Even though it will probably be cool in the moment, I'll enjoy the games when I'm sitting down watching them. But in terms of health of the sport, uh, I don't I don't know if if we're really going to end up in the best place long term from it. 
I wonder if there's something to two things. Like the first thing is that yes, like maybe that there was going to be a little less shine on the luster of like Michigan, Ohio State, or Washington versus Oregon Part Two last year. But that also means like Penn State versus Michigan State last year. Hey, that means something for Penn State or the Egg Bowl down in Mississippi. Like that means something for them because they could keep their top twelve. I I, I don't know how much it's going to help, but at least right now in the moment, I think that there could be something to that. It's like it just makes more of those late games more important but the second thing that i really really want to know is scheduling because like can you get away with a candy ass schedule like you've been able to because here's the stat that i want to pull in and this is why this could help michigan state here because for the most part you can get in with a 10 and 2 record now in the eight years of a true college football playoff season we're not even counting the covid year we're just going to go ahead and throw that out the door Okay. In the eight years of a true college football playoff, only nine times a Power 5 team went 10-2 and two and were ranked outside the top 12. 20 times a Power 5 team went 9-3 and three and they were inside the top 12. And that's weighted a lot on schedule. So again, th- this might just be very naive of me to think that, hey, maybe teams schedule just a little harder. Maybe instead of an FCS team, they actually face a good group of five team or a low-ranked Power 5 team, what have you. But with that being that that's going to be like the margin for error or what's going to decide that you're 12 or 13 is if, Hey, are you attending two team with a good schedule or a bad schedule? M- maybe it helps a little bit during the regular season, but I don't know. That's a thing that we won't know until 2027. So I, I just, I wish I had a better answer for you or a stronger take to be honest. Cause I, I just, I feel like we'll see both play right. out. Right? I feel like we'll see the FCS and the cupcakes because you can get benefit of the doubt as long as your conference had a decent out of out of league, right? You know, if, that's true. If, that's true. If I play yeah. an FCS in two bums and I go three and zero in the Conan Conference, I don't play anybody, but a couple of my conference peers pick up a couple good wins, like a Florida State over LSU, something like you know something comparable, and the, and then I'm finishing second or third in the Big Ten. Maybe I didn't play anybody, but the Big Ten is perceived to be stronger because of some out of conference wins. So you get a little bit of trickle down secondhand credibility, yeah. you know, I guess because somebody else played them. And then you did well in the conference. Uh, maybe there's something like that. But then I think there will be people probably on the other end like, no, we need like a, a statement win on the non-conference every year to ensure we're not mm. the the nine and three that gets left out or the ten and two that's on that's at number thirteen. You know, we we need to have that that one edge over maybe five to six sort of very comparable teams at the end of the day. Uh, and that's what did it is that we went on the road to Texas A and M, whatever. You know. Sure. Um, right. So I, I, I could see both sort of playing out because, I mean, if if they can skirt it and take the easy road, they will. All these yeah, schools, right. these coaches, these administrators, they will all do that if they can. But if they're shown that they need to uh, put some incentive into it and uh, and beef it up, then then reluctantly, I think they will. But I, 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 I could see I could see both tracks playing out at this point. I really don't know. I wish I didn't sort of have to split the difference like that. But <laughs> right. I could see both. It is what it is. Now, we are going to switch it up here, talk a little bit of basketball here. But first, Stephen, you need to talk to people's ears off about FanDuel Sportsbook. Now, if you've got the itch for college football already, FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, they have the win totals for across the nation. They got our Michigan State Spartans at a five and a half for their over-under on regular season wins. If you're feeling spicy about our Spartans, 
mosey on over to FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and go ahead and place a nice responsible wager on the over or the under if you're not feeling so hot about Michigan State. Regardless, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That is right. That is $150 if your team wins and if the bet wins for new customers. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. It's FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Now let's get Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports back in the mix here because, hey, are we going to let that loss against Iowa linger for multiple days here? You're darn right we are. Yeah, we are because, uh, Stephen, you're you're gonna have to t- you're gonna have to decide what is going to be shown to people that are wondering why I got admitted to an insane asylum here in the very near near future. Uh, there's two things that I saw after the game on Tuesday. One was a quote from Tom Izzo, and yes, it's the 78th round of talking about Xavier Booker. Uh, so, is it this should drive you more crazy that Izzo on Xavier Booker quote? I'm not disappointed in Book. I just gotta find the right matchup for him as if he's looking for a literal scarecrow to be the opposing center or power forward to play him against, or Steven, should this drive me more insane? This is from a piece from Graham couch of the Lansing state journal, a little anecdote here that he writes senior Davis Smith chastised his teammates after the warmups and said that he could sense it in warmups. And by it, he means the team was not prepared to play. Unfortunately for MSU Smith isn't part of the rotation and can't guard the post. What should drive me more up a wall, Steven? The Xavier Booker discourse, not just continuing, but continuing after we've seen him play actually good the last few games, or is it the fact that the only guy that could ID that his team was not ready and that tried to get his team fired up before a game is Davis Smith? What should drive me more up a wall? Because two of those are great candidates to drive me into a straitjacket, Stephen. Yeah, I'm going to go with Davis Smith having to step up and be the, the adult in the room and the leader. Um, no respect crazy. to Davis. Like, I do think, you know, and many people have held that role, like, in terms of, like, the respected walk-on. Yep. Guy works hard, values – people value his opinion, you know, knows the game, all that stuff. I'm not trying to, to demean that, but it's just – when you have – and I've continued to say this. I'm doing Jack Evans' show later. I say it every week if anybody hears me on there. Uh, if you don't, it's the first time, you know, get, but, like – I cannot get over how old this team is yes. and, and also square that with how inconsistent they are. Like in college basketball, outside of NBA talent, age is like your greatest currency in experience, age experience, you know, hand in hand. It's your greatest currency. I used to cover Mike Bray at Notre Dame and this was you know, eight years ago now or whatever. And, but he used to say get old, stay old was one of his things. And his best teams when they went to the elite eights were all senior laden. And yeah. not a lot, you know, you can pick your example, but for these guys, and I'm sure folks that listen to this are, have seen the the you know the the memes and everything about how they're older than the Pistons starting lineup. When you have multiple 23 year olds, 22 year olds, guys that have played over 100 college basketball games, they should under you know the the fact that they could come out again. It seems like there's been this group's mo for several seasons, but the the, the weird, unexplainable. Well, we just didn't have energy, or we just just weren't there tonight, type of thing. How many times I've heard that for probably three seasons is is incalculable and it's yes. now you know he'll tom Izzo, no coach <laughs> let's hope fingers crossed will never have this much combined age and experience on a roster again this is an anomaly right. because of the covid situation and guys getting extra years some of them came into msu a little older but now they have more time on the back end like you'll never have a team this old again and the fact that they're not 
they haven't been remotely consistent this year is really, really troubling to your point. It's, it's, you know, I don't think there's good leadership. I don't know if the focus is there. You know, I just, to come out like that, I thought they had turned a corner with that Illinois game. Then you pick up a couple road wins. I was like, okay, finally, maybe they just kind of dawdled around and thought they could turn it on late. And maybe that's really happening. And Hey, if you can do that, you know, I tip my cap. It's just really hard to do. And, in anything, any pursuit in life to just flip on a switch and say, all right, I'm trying now. But right. I was like, hey, whatever. I, I was very confident they'd go four and one down the stretch with one loss to Purdue, obviously. Uh, now it just, they're so untrustworthy. And it's so weird for me to not trust a team that's so old and experienced. I feel like I should know what I'm getting most games. And if you're just not good enough or you're too small here or you're too slow here, or I can, you know, there's a metrics thing. I can say, here's some, here's some evidence to say you guys might not be in a good spot tonight or whatever, that's fine. But to just for every game to be such a grab bag of who knows what you're going to get from key guys who've played hundred over a hundred basketball games yeah. at this level uh, is mind blowing. I just, I cannot understand it at all. So, I mean, anything's on the table to me from an embarrassing face plant in the first game of the tournament, I guess technically they could even fall, you know, I'm not going to go that far and say they won't make the tournament. I mean, they have to, they basically have to lose out, and I, I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. But uh, I could see them making it the second weekend again, and, and maybe even to like you know, in a stumbling into an elite eight somehow. I, I really could because I when all the switches are pointed the right way, like it's like, man, there's a lot there. But I, I will continue to always go back to the inconsistency. Just it doesn't make any sense with how experienced they are. They should know how to lock in on the road, how to lock in after a big win, after a rivalry game. When things aren't right, guys should be able to detect on the court, hey, the vibes are off. All right, I need to change this in a timeout, or I need to do something. I need to make a statement and light a fire here. Just it's it's bizarre. They get they're basically getting like no value out of out of being so old, which is mind blowing to me. That's yeah, that's really the thing that that'll stick with me about this team. Right, because like we've seen, I guess for lack of a better term, and this is mean to use for Davis Smith, a guy that seems to care. We've seen unproductive or I guess less productive guys is how we'll dress that up. Be that vocal leader, right? Like we've seen Tum Tum do it. Well, that's because he is the senior on that team. He was one of the older guys and there was a very young group, but just like you said, my God, this is a very old team. They are older than the Pistons, depending on the lineup they have out on the court. And I get that you could sleepwalk through some games if it's like December, like that weird game between Christmas and New Year's where you're playing Davenport and, you know, get up for that game. Uh, Yo, it is February 20th and you're trying to win to improve your seed in March, or I guess maybe you're not. Maybe you actually just don't care about that anymore. Who's to say, but it is maddening and inexcusable that it can be this late in the season. And the only leader amongst all these old guys is a guy that will not touch the court unless they're in Ann Arbor to hit two free throws before halftime. Like it's, it's crazy. But I guess are we the crazy ones for getting upset? Like our state fans, like me, the actual crazy ones, because we've seen this the last few years. We should know better by now. It's the tenth loss of the year, Stephen. Like we should, we should just let these roll off our back. So maybe I'm just the crazy one in all of this. Uh, I don't think so, because like I said, I mean, they were they were ranked number four for a reason. There is a lot of talent on the team. And again, they will they'll never hopefully nobody in college basketball will ever have a roster this old again. No, you get nothing out of it. It's a major wasted opportunity. Um, the, 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 that no real leadership has developed is, is not great. But just no, there's no killer instinct, you know, within games to finish games necessarily. I mean, it's 
they're just a very untrustworthy team. Um, you know, at their best, yeah, they can be pretty dang good, and they can probably beat most teams in a year where there's not a lot of there's there's not a dominant force at the top necessarily. Um, but they could lose to just about any NCAA tournament team on a given night too. And it feels like it's been that way since the pandemic. And that's pretty frustrating. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can imagine. I'm curious for you. I, I would want to, you were, you were flowing coming in off the break, but we'll give your sponsor some love. How have you adapted to betting this team? Are you just riding with them just through, <laughs> or you, if it, it seems like maybe on Twitter, you've gone more prop heavy. Uh, how's yeah. that been? How's the gambling on the Spartans gone this year? Cause I don't, I'm fully excused from that. All props. I, I can't remember the last time okay. I even bet on a line. And usually, Stephen, I do the opposite. <laughs> I, I hedge my happiness where I'll bet on the other team just so, hey, if they lose, at least I'm getting paid. That This team is so hot and cold that I, I can't even do that with comfort. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get any night in, any night out. So instead, like a jackass, I'm over here betting Michigan State free throw as your first points of the game. Like, I... <laughs> I don't know, because I trust that more than I trust anything that's about to happen on the court for the full 40 minutes of the game. So, no, it, it, it's just baffling. Um, we're we're going to talk more about this tomorrow, about, like, where they stand as far as bracketology go. I did talk to, like, one of the top bracketologists today. Long story short, th- there's no reason to worry yet, but Sunday's game does have a little bit more importance. We're going to blow that out into a bigger conversation tomorrow. But, Steve, until then... They, got, they can't be on the eight nine line, right? Like that's the nightmare scenario. I think you know you got to stay on the seven, maybe ten if, if it's really bad. But you know, eight nine, I feel like is is the is the worst case scenario. We right? we ended yesterday's show saying let's just start losing our way to eleven. Like I don't care if it's the first four game. Like just do if it's the eight nine game. I won't even watch the tournament. Like I, I have no interest in winning a dogfight against New Mexico just to get beat by 44 points against UConn in Brooklyn in the second round. Doesn't do it for me necessarily. So by any means necessary that you could avoid playing a one seed or a two seed, whether that's you win your way up to six, which you, you really hurt those chances yesterday, or just lose your way to 11. Like I, yeah. if that makes me a loser for talking like that, guess what? I'm a loser. I don't care. I just want to see my team actually have a chance at a run in March, and that doesn't happen playing Houston or UConn in the second round. So that's that's my take on, on the seeding matter. Um, you don't want to see them down 15 at halftime, rally within one with four minutes to go, and then come <laughs> back out of last media timeout and not make another shot the rest of the game. You don't and, then, and then and then when, when they're three points away, uh, instead we just go to a post-up with Carson Cooper, and he airballs a four-footer, and then they go and drill another three to bring the lead back to six, and all your momentum's gone. No, Steven, yeah. crazy enough. I don't really want to see that happen. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, we're on the same page in terms of a uh, game script, though. It's um, yeah. so against yeah. a one. Um, that's exactly how to play against a one. Against a two, they'll somehow probably win. Like uh, you know, we should like them against some de- decently well against some twos, but not the ones. Let's say as an eight seed, they beat nine seed St. John's. The, the next episode here, I'll, I'll do a football show. I won't even preview the game. I, I, I won't even acknowledge that it's going to be Michigan State versus UConn. <laughs> it, would, it, it would be a bloodbath, Stephen. So, yeah. And the, the fact of the matter that it would be in Brooklyn. And I've been to Madison Square Garden back in 2014 when it was Michigan State versus UConn at the Garden. That was a home UConn crowd. They travel in that little northwest part of the country heavily. That mm-hmm. will not be a friendly game for Michigan State. So why am I so negative? Is it that Michigan State's bad? Well, sure. Is it that UConn's great? Certainly. Is it that it'll be a home game for them and they are incredible at home? That's my, that's mostly it. Yeah. 
I'll try to turn this around before we end. I mean, hey, hey thanks. they made a little bit of a run. It wasn't a big one, but it was a little one, and it changed sort of the vibes of the whole season. So I yeah. do think this team is capable of something like that. I just I feel like we've been fairly negative, uh, and look, for good reason. But yeah, right. Think back to last year, before they won those three games, like it was equally sour and just sort of uh, yeah. oh, God. middling, yeah. just like what are we doing here? The vibes were not good. But then they go, you know, they win those three games, and uh, – I'm sorry, those two games and uh, right and uh, changed everything, changed the whole vibe. So they, they are capable of doing that. Uh, how likely that's anyone's guess? They they lost that game against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament last year, and I said yeah. just go get a pack of frat brothers and bring them to the tournament because this team doesn't care. The next thing you know, it they beat Marquette, and it didn't even look like an upset that game. So I, that's the thing. There's always that shred of belief out there for suckers like me to think about every single night. So, Steven, you're the man. Really do appreciate you as always. Uh, this has been a hoot and a half. Gang, tomorrow we're going to be talking a little bit of bracketology. We'll finally answer a lot of your mailbag questions. I know we've been putting off a lot of those, especially after Tuesday's game. Spartans at gmail.com has never been more full than after that game on Tuesday. People were fired up. But, hey, gang, until then, love you all. Go Green.